Awesome. Welcome to the pre-show. Welcome to the pre-show. Today we have uh, Lou Rodeo, keyboardist, musician, songwriter, Mike Oguski. Is coming on. We do. But before we start, live music did is. Did you hear back. about the Dave? Did did you did you hear about the Dave Chappelle show the other day? The Dave Chappelle show. He sold out Madison Square Garden. Yep. And he's back, he backed up by some small band. Backed up by a small uh, a small band um, who's coming out with uh, their first uh, dance uh, album. Yep. Uh, very soon. So looking looking forward to the startup. I don't know. We'll see how they do. We'll see how they do. Maybe I'll get in touch with somebody from the band. Matt Damon? Yes. Send him a text. If anybody listens to these podcasts <laughs> and is picking up on the Matt Damon <laughs> reference, or somebody can now go back and yeah. they have a decent frame of reference who, who our Matt Damon is. They don't yes. know 100%. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're close. Although I think there was one video where you were – air something Matt's instrument oh okay yeah so if somebody goes that watches the video puts together yep. the snippets they will now be able to know who our Matt Damon is who our Matt Damon is yes yep that I have but yes apparently that show and it's interesting <laughs> because to get into that Madison Square Gardens show yeah. You had to. You had to to say Ooh. you were double vaxxed. You had to have the government issued vaccine passport, I believe, on your phone. Oh, okay. Um, if you didn't, you were not allowed in Madison Square Gardens. And once you got in, um, you you could go maskless because everybody's proved that they've had their double shots. Actually, yeah. I don't even know if it was double shots. I assume it was double shots. Um, but it apparently all the ushers and everybody working there and concessions were all masked. Meaning they weren't? Well, no, no. I'm sure just, just from, from, a from a workplace protection perspective. You know, no, I'm not saying that they weren't vaxxed. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying. But it does it's bring into play. Go ahead. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a New York law. Or regulation that, uh, yeah, concerts, uh, they have to be, you have to prove you've got the full vaccination. Yes. But of course, Johnson & Johnson vaccination is only a one-shot deal. True. And, I, and, I, and, and apparently uh, AstraZeneca was not going to be allowed because people were complaining they couldn't go see the Bruce Springsteen show because the theater group said that you couldn't, you couldn't get in with an AstraZeneca shot. And in fact, that was also, I believe, a New York state law. And then somebody in New York state, whatever department went, wait a second. That means we can't have any tourism from primarily the UK and Australia. And Canada. And that's when they went, oh, well, let's, let's do an about face on that. And now you can go to the Bruce Springsteen show as a Canadian if you're shot if you have your az shots and can you go to the U- can you go to the united states if you've got a double az shot 
I believe so. I don't know. Okay. Um, but I, what I thought was what was very interesting is um, Kathy Buckworth had posted yep. on Twitter, retweeted uh-huh. the "You can go to the Springsteen show now," and she posted, "But what if I still don't want to go to a Bruce Springsteen show?" <laughs> and I replied back with like a Jada Pinkett Smith gif going, "You got that right." <laughs> You would not want to go to a, a Bruce Springsteen show? I would not want to go to a Bruce Springsteen show. Really? The boss? Unless he played Philadelphia and then that was it and left the stage. But uh, <laughs> That one song? That one song. I would like to see him play that one no, song. No, it's, it's, it's Streets of Philadelphia. The song Philadelphia is a Neil Young song. Well, okay, true. Fair enough. Uh, so although, speaking of, speaking of Springsteen, yeah. apparently he just released a track last week with the killers. There you go. Yeah. I, I, so we need to get down to this. Maybe we'll do it after Mike leaves your, you have a dislike for Bruce Springsteen. We'll, uh, we'll come back to that. In Let's the save that for another pre-show. Save that for another pre-show. All right. Let's get to our conversation with the Mike Boguski. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hi, I'm Mike Baguski, piano player from Blue Rodeo, and you're listening to Welcome to the Music. Awesome. awesome. Did I get the name right? Welcome to the music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How great was that? I totally thought I screwed that up. That's amazing. <laughs> I get it, I get it right about 50% of the time myself, and he gives me hell for that, so you're good. Right on. I uh, I heard there was a bit of a miscommunication, but uh, I luckily was able to get a sitter, so I'm here. Oh, okay. I don't think we knew there was a miscommunication. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah, no worries. No worries. I'm just saying that because of some random kids run in and start screaming, that's what's going on. That's that's, that's what perfect. life's like right now, right? That's that's sure. life in the in the era of uh, the wow, pandemic. Wow, where are so. you at? That's beautiful. That looks gorgeous. I am actually. That's the view in front of me. I only have this in the background so that it's inside the cottage and my wife's walking back and forth. This is up on the Manitoulin. Wow, we played a gig there. Uh, maybe it was six or seven years ago. Manitoulin Island Festival. The uh, Little Current, probably. Then, yeah, could be. Yeah. It was it was rainy, a lot of mud. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's all I remember. My, my dad would say it never rains on the Manitoulin, so I don't know. Maybe you're in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, I love fishing. Every time we do those kind of secondary markets, I'm always like telling the promoter, you know, find me the local fishing guide. And uh, you know, the, the fishing of Manitoulin is amazing. And I remember that day it was like we we came in, did the gig, and we had to go out because I think we had to be in. Uh, somewhere like Newfoundland or Halifax the next day. So there was no time to fish. And I was always like, oh man, I bet the fishing there is out of this world, right? It's it's insane. There's like, there's, I think there's 100 lakes on the island. If you include like the smaller lakes and then up to the largest, we're on the largest lake. And yeah, it's it's uh, pretty much anything you can fish off the island or inside the inland lakes. Yeah. Do you fish? I haven't in many, many years. I have not in many years. I did a lot as a kid growing up here. 
well, not growing up here, but spending my summers and holidays up here. But no, I, uh, but my kids now who are in their twenties come up and they drop the boat in the water and away they go. They love it up here. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. As you can tell, I'm brown, so I don't fish. Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Wow. Well, it's, funny, it's funny you should mention that because my auto mechanic, G- it's GB Autos on Queensway. He's such a sweet guy. He's just like the best. He's just like, you know, it's hard to find a good mechanic, right? Like, you know, and I have an older Volvo and it's like, those cars are expensive when, when the parts break. So I, I have this picture of like this huge, massive pickerel that my uh, son caught and I'm proudly showing it to him. And I have all these pictures of all these fillets that we were getting. I was like, yeah, we fed the family for two days. His name's Paul and he's so sweet. And I said, so Paul, do you know, do you eat fish? Do you, and he's Hindu. And he goes, no, no, I'm Hindu. We're vegetarian. Like we don't, don't." I just felt so bad. I'd like, you know, just this whole story of, oh, like this fish and it's fought. And then he's like, son's like, Hey, do you want some nuts? Like (laughs) it was just one of those things. He was so respectful of my story, but he was like, no, no, we don't really eat anything that, you know, is living so (laughs) did he he take care of your car or did he take care of your car after (laughs) he took care of my car okay all right (laughs) that's funny funny story that is awesome um mike before we officially get started um is there anything you don't want to talk about um well, there's a lot I can't talk about because I'm such an angry person. I have so much to rant about, so I got to be careful. Perfect. We are we're going to talk about that stuff for sure. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you know, I don't want to talk about anything that could get me in trouble, which in the in this this day and age could be a lot of everything. things. You say the wrong thing, and it's you'll be canceled, right? So you know, I got to be careful. You know, you guys uh, seem like really chill, hip, relaxed guys, <laughs> but you know, who knows. One slip of the tongue and I'm done, right? Then the office is going to get like a hundred demo tapes of other keyboard players going, yeah, we heard that that racist uh, keyboard player that you used to have is done now. So like, here's our demo tape, right? You know? <laughs> He's done. Everybody's done now. You're done. It's over. You're done before you started. You know what I mean? <laughs> do, do we need to be worried, Mike, about anything? Could be. I don't know. My girlfriend's right. always like, you're dangerous water. Do you really want to do this? You know, it's funny. I'm not even on social media. I pay her to do my posts because if I'm on it, I'll, I'll either be canceled or hated You're or within five minutes. Yeah. Or fighting with fans or fighting with. I'm just so susceptible to conflict. Right. Uh, and I think it's this product of the digital uh, mechanism that that just I think it's programs people to want to fight each other. Right. And I think if we were all just hanging in a bar listening to a cool band, we probably would have a much better chance at understanding each other. But something about the structure of those screens and those keyboards and those like buttons, I think they're set up to make us less together than more together. You know what I mean? It's funny. I used to travel a lot and I'd find myself spending a lot of time in airports. And whenever I had a flight delay, it was like my wife's just like, oh, dear. Because I just jump in and take on some like Trumpster or some Ford right? fan or whatever, right? And I just like, okay, come on, I got a, I got a couple hours to burn. Let's go. 
It's amazing. It's it's like a, it's like wildfire that just spreads with one click, one word. But uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to get, you know heal those rifts. I want people to be more nice. arm in arm. I'm I'm into the whole '60s kind of ethos. You know, brothers and sisters, let's all get together and love one right. another. You know, there's the right a song thing. there. I think there's a song there. There's a right? yeah. but we're, we're lacking that. We're lacking that. Yeah. Now. I, the the yeah. brotherhood and sisterhood of all is is passe, it seems. And now it's yeah. all more like, can I swear on this? I don't know if I can. Yes, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. For sure. You know, like, fuck you and you fuck me and I'm going to fuck you. And I hate you. Like, I hate it, man. Like, gets me down, you know? It's been down. I was going to say, you, you, you sound like a nice guy online, but now I, I've come to realize that's your girlfriend. That I, it's my that girlfriend. I think of the nice person. She's a nice person. <laughs> yeah. Well, she doesn't really like create content. Everything that I post is me. It's just I have I have problems communicating if I'm not playing music. So I'm on my piano right now. So. Yeah. I can just you know express any sentiment you want with these 88 keys. But when it comes to words, I find I'm always saying the wrong thing. You know what I mean? The message isn't getting out the way I feel it in my heart. You know? so, <laughs> so as we carry on this interview, as we carry on this interview, then just every time we ask you a question, you can just answer in song. I could just answer it musically. Yeah. Can you hear that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Is that too loud? Sound check? How's that? It's, 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 it's bringing down your audio. Yeah. Your vocal. Part, pardon me? As soon as, as soon as you start playing... Uh, it picks up the keys, but you go silent. See, that's good. That's good, right? I could just do like an hour <laughs> improv, and I won't get canceled. I'll sell a bunch of records, and we'll be good, you know? <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah. Hey, hey, I don't know anybody's name. I know, I, I, did I, you told me your names, but I forgot. Well, that's, that's Greg. I'm Greg. Greg and Karim. Karim. Kareem. So Kareem and Greg. Greg I'll know because I work with a guy named Greg. You do? Yeah. And Kareem, I'll think of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was the man of the court. But I wanted to say something to Kareem. You know what would be so hip if I could just put it out there? Can can I see you? I want to see your background there. You're behind you. I'm I'm seeing Greg right now. Are you not not in gallery view? Oh, go to gallery view. I don't know what that is. I, I can't do anything. Upper, upper right-hand side, I think. Okay. Where I see view? share content, participants, mute, stop video. More. Uh, are you on a phone or tablet? There or we computer? go. I see there you go. now. Okay. Right. So there you go. What was that fantastic? See, you know what? That was funny. I'm going to make another joke here. Because remember how I said, is that Greg or is that Kareem? Like, you could have booked me for, like, assuming that Greg was Greg and you were like, you could be Greg and he could be Kareem, right? It would be prejudice of me to assume otherwise. So that's like right there, we were almost in hot water. So right behind you, what's the thing on top of your vinyl there? That's cool. That circular thing. I love that. That's the uh, record player. See, that's a record player. It's a stand-up record player. That's amazing. I've never seen a stand-up record player. Yeah. I'm totally into that. I thought it was like a a wheel. From Chicago. that's very cool, man. You know, yeah. like like a reel-to-reel player would look cool there too. You know, that's yeah. coming back tapes. So it's got the uh, got the rubber there that spins it around. Beautiful. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. Okay, I just I just was so drawn to that as soon as I 
was talking to me. I was like, what's he got going on there? I've never seen that. So I'm a gearhead, so I'm always looking for that stuff. Yeah, I saw a bunch of your Facebook and Instagram uh, pics of all uh, all your gear, and uh, Greg Greg is our resident gearhead, so I'm sure he'll have he'll have questions. I look at that stuff and I just go, okay. Greg <laughs> looks at that stuff and he gets excited. He gets tingles inside. Nice. We had yeah. we had uh, Amin Batia join us, um, a composer, and uh, in his studio behind him, he had an 808 above his shoulder, and I'm just like, nice, very cool. That's, that's that's kicking it old school. I'm just getting into drum machines now. The pandemic has really pushed me into like becoming like this one man band guy. Like, you know how like I used to make fun of guys like that. These old guys with like drum machines that would like play like, you know, with whatever, you know, the song of the day. But now that's I think that's going to be my thing. I'm going to get like a really bad 70s tuxedo and I'm going to get a drum machine and I'm going to play like instrumental renditions of Blue Rodeo songs. You know, I'll show up anywhere. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll show up to your high school cafeteria. I'll, you know, like we could do like Diamond Mine, but like Swum, like. Here we go. <laughs> Just give me the sort of thing right like you know yeah. like really really like you know maximum fromage that that's that's where i'm thinking my career is going. so you yeah. come back up to the manitoulin and i got you booked in a whole bunch of like uh yeah. coffee shops and and uh burger joints no drive-in burger places I, I can I, have you booked for a month i, I i'm so into that man like just <laughs> me uh my girlfriend will sell merch and she sells salsa too that's her thing she makes an incredible salsa hey. Uh, I don't want to deal with uh, with cranky side men who are like got chips on their shoulders. Like, you know, I went to Berkeley, so I should get two hundred dollars for this gig, and then they don't learn their parts, and then they talk bad about me because they're jealous because I have a gig that they think they should have. Like, I'm done with all that, man. Just give me a drum machine and a nice audience that is happy to be there, and I will do my thing anywhere in Manitoba. Nice, nice. There we go. We're set. I think it's booked. Yeah, right on, man. <laughs> Yeah. You'll it'll be a uh, you can finally you can you can play your your latest which I think is here's to tomorrow. Oh yeah, and, here's to tomorrow. Yeah, that, can, that I love here's to tomorrow. Did you guys check out that video? Oh yeah, we I want to get into that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I really no. liked it. I was yeah. I guess the the question that that arises from from that song is. Um, like what, what it, I'm guessing everything that we've been going through inspired that song. What I wanted to do was do like just a snapshot of 2020, right? Like, it's not like, um, I was just like, this is what happened, but let's like, look to the future. Right. So there's, mm -hmm. there's like, you know, it, it, it's funny because the guy who did that video for me is a guy named Michael Hurricom, I think is his name. And he did Greg's solo videos and i basically like had no idea how to shoot that video my 12 year old son said oh dad you got to get a green screen i'm like what the heck's a green screen <laughs> and he basically like holds this green cloth up he records my daughter dancing as an astronaut right like i got That's your daughter, daughter. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> my daughter. 
she's got so much energy. And like, I ordered that costume from Amazon. Like all I was thinking was I wanted the idea of like a space explorer that had come down to earth and be like, Whoa, what's going on here? Like, this is crazy. Right. So he did that. And then I said to Michael, I signed up for one of those like video uh, websites that have all of the uh, stock video images. And you know how you can sign up for them. Yeah. Like sign up for like a month for like 40 bucks. And I can just, do and I just said the concept was like I want a space astronaut that's come down to see Earth and and like this is what happened this year, and then I found out that Michael was a documentary guy like he's not even a music film guy he's his thing is documentary so there's sort of like a documentary feel to it like it's like a document of the last year but hopefully it's optimistic too right like it's it's not all doom and gloom you know yeah. What besides that, like what have you been doing over the past year and a half? What's been keeping you busy? Oh man, I've just been practicing like crazy. Tons of classical music. I've been revisiting my uh basically my classical roots, which is how you know everybody sort of starts in classical music and then kind of goes away from it. But I, I've kind yeah. of gone full tilt into just practicing, like practicing Bach, practicing scales writing, really taking stock. And like, here's the thing, like there's so many people in this business that like have very uh, limited uh, technical prowess, right? Uh, they can't really sing. They can't really write and they can't really play, but you know, you don't really need to do those things to be successful in the music business. And I'm not saying that to be like condescending or anything. That's okay. I'm just not that kind of person. I'm the kind of person that's like, I need to be able to play this lick in all 12 keys. I need to be able to play every prelude and fugue from Bach's first book. I like, I'm really disciplined. So I love being in Blue Rodeo. It's an amazing opportunity to be employed so much and, and you know, have that gig. But I kind of, if I'm not playing Blue Rodeo, I've really lost my chops in a lot of other genres and, and types of music. So I've really relished the opportunity to go back and just woodshed on keyboard playing. Okay. Why classical? Why did you decide to go back there? Well, that's sort of where I started. My dad really loved classical music. You know, he was, it's funny, he, he was a, he came from a very working class background. My, my grandparents were Polish immigrants and, you know, they were factory workers and he, you know, it's not the kind of class that you associate with classical music. But for some reason, my dad was just like always playing Beethoven and Bach and he would take us to the symphony and it's sort of imprinted into my brain as a child like all of these soundtracks and concerts and performers and so I've, I've just always that's been my home base you know that's sort of been like my my perception of music is based on classical harmony classical music classical performance so so that that it's just a big part of my childhood I guess you know it's in my roots when did you start uh, becoming like seriously interested in in music, the playing stuff, especially the key, especially the keys and the piano? Uh, I I just like, you know how some kids like remember Linus had a security blanket from Peanuts. Yeah. Well, the piano was my security blanket. Like since I was six or seven, like I had my lessons. I just always went to it. Like I could never not play it. So it was just always there right and i guess like i had these all obviously these and you know delusions of grandeur that i would be a classical pianist or i would be in that world and it just didn't happen no matter how hard i practice it's just like you got to be so good to be a professional classical pianist right like 
it's unbelievable how how talented you have to be. So I guess at the same time, my dad was pretty hip and like he'd bring home classical records, but then he'd bring home like the Clash and the Pogues and he'd bring home like really cool world beat and like all of these other like UB40 or like like stuff like Spyro Gyra, like really avant-garde you know jazz fusion and and so i had all of these other musical influences swirling around and i guess at a certain point rock and roll i got rock and roll you know what i mean i i think i it was black sabbath i think that really got into my head when i was in about grade no no the first album that re- okay so the first album i ever bought other than classical was destroyer by kiss and i say what you will about that you know i know that's a bold statement but like that that really spoke to me and then from there i went to sabbath and then I got Monterey, live at Monterey, Jimi Hendrix. And then, like, I just went. And then by high school, I was, like, still practicing all my classical music. But I really wanted to be a guitar player because I just figured, like, that's the cool instrument to get girls, right? Like, nobody's going to keyboard players. always the geeky <laughs> nerdy guy, right? Nobody wants a keyboard player. So I remember, like, taking a guitar lesson, and this guy was, like, throwing all this theory with some guy from Berkeley and it was just blowing my mind. And I just thought like, man, that would be, that makes so much more sense to me on the keyboard than it does on the guitar. And then there was a band in high school that needed a keyboard player. And then from that point, I was sort of on the trajectory of, of rock music. Where did you, where did you take guitar lessons? Oh, what was the shop? It was an old, it was a music store in the Tobacco called Seagullies. Oh, Okay. Because what you were describing like, there reminded me of of Dave Martin, who is my guitarist from back in the day, and he went to Berkeley and he taught at the twelfth fret. So that's why I was wondering if you were going to say the twelfth fret. I'm like, I know your instructor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. He he. It was it was this old music store right at like across from the old Michael Power at like Etobicoke, like Burnthorpe and Dundas, right around there. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, you know what, man? It's just like, it's just something that's been in my life. I never, I tried to do so many other things. Like, because my dad was very working class, he was kind of like, okay, that's great. But like, what are you going to do for a living? <laughs> like, you can't <laughs> do this as part of a career. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, but I think like, eventually my parents, just by observing that I couldn't really do succeed in anything else, were, were sort of, you know, eventually they, they got it. You know, and I, my dad died in 2013, which, you know, he was very young. Well, not, mm-hmm. I don't know, what's 63? I guess that's young, right? That's young. Yeah. yeah. But I was really happy that he got to see me play with Blue Rodeo. And then he met right. the band and it was like, see, dad, like I made it somewhat, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just like, you know. And it was funny because Cuddy sometimes tells me a story and he, I can relate to him about how his dad, would would come and they would i think it was the forum back then when blue rodeo would play their summer shows and it would be like sold out and blue rodeo was like like huge in the mm-hmm. in the early 90s right yeah for sure so i think i think what did he say to me his dad was like yeah well they got to come next year too or something like that like just that thing that dads do right which is like good job but you know <laughs> you got to make sure that the fans are coming every year not just this year <laughs> oh, that's just the way dads are but i think in a way they're looking out for us right they're yeah, They're sure. trying to toughen us up because this business is is so hard, right? Like it's a very difficult business to really do full time professionally. It's not easy. Yeah, was it always yeah. hard, Mike, or or has it become harder now because it's it's easier for fans to access music? It's, it's not you don't need to go to Sam the Record Man on 
on uh, you know Young Dundas uh, and pick up a vinyl. You, know, you don't you don't have to invest that time to go there. You could with your phone or computer download or stream the latest single or or album of your favorite artist. Kareem, you just hit the nail on the head. I, I think that's a big part of why it's harder now because artists have no incentive to really uh, make records because you know, like I've made I made a bunch of independent records, right? I, I, you know, it's like to sell those records. Like, who's going to buy them? The only times I, I sell records are at shows. Mm-hmm. Like, if I go to do a Blue Rodeo tour, they'll let me sell my record on the merch table. I'll move product there. Or if I do Michael Babuski Trio or any of my solo stuff, they'll buy it there. But in terms of Spotify. One sixth of a cent a stream, it just doesn't add up. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you're making niche music like I am, like I make weird, quirky instrumental music, like, you know, it's just not feasible that I could see any kind of return on uh, the cost to make those records. So that's the one thing. And then the other thing is that, you know, because of COVID, all of these live venues are starting to close, right? So what are you going to do? Like, where's the culture of, of going out and, and meeting girls or, you know, practicing your instruments so you can get the gig at that opening for whoever at the horseshoe or, you know what I mean? That whole world mm-hmm. is so important to the, to the culture of music, right? So, so it's just recently become hard. It hasn't always been difficult, has it? Well, I think it's always been difficult. I think having to live on the road is a big sacrifice that a lot of people um, when you're young, you think, oh, man, this is amazing. We're going to be on the road and just partying and, and playing music and that's that. But then, like, you know, you, you got to think, like, you got to do that, like, how many times? Like, how many times did Blue Rodeo travel across Canada winning every fan bit by bit? Or, like, they tried to go to the States and make it happen there or talk to Ed Robertson about, like, you know, the ladies became really big in Canada and then they had to start again by playing these backyard barbecues in Nebraska or wherever to make their name in the States. Like it's just a constant grind of travel, play, travel, play, which I'm not complaining. It's a wonderful, like I do my blood. I love doing it, but it's hard work, right? I, I remember meeting this kid. I went back to York to finish a degree about three years ago, which is interesting because it's always interesting to sit in a class with 19 year olds when you're like 40. And I remember this one kid was like, Oh, I can't, I can't make a living. I, I can't go on the road like all year. Like, how am I going to afford this? How am I going to afford that? And I'm thinking like, I, I wasn't even thinking like that when I was that kid's age. I was just like, oh my God, like get me on the road and I'm never going off because I just love making music so much. And then suddenly I turn around and it's like, well, why is my uh, my uh, wife so angry at me? Why why is nobody calling me back? Like, there's all these other parts of your life that fall apart with the tunnel vision of your passion, Right. Mm. And, and that balance is like, I think when you stop to think about how hard you have to work to just achieve even a minor level of success in the music industry, you know, it's, it's, it's sizable. If you, if you really want to do it like full time, you know what I mean? You can fake your way through it totally. You can just get like a slick social media account and like, you know, put out a couple recordings here and there and, you know, play a song. But like, if you're, if you're seriously, I don't know how young people would do it. I don't know what the, t- what the, what the path is, you know what I mean? What what is yeah. the path? Interesting. I was going to say it's yeah. interesting because because um, you know uh, my bud Warren's neighbor is Brendan Canning, and so we all oh, yeah. get together every every not every Thanksgiving, but for Thanksgiving dinner and that kind of thing. And I remember he was talking about you know being on the tour bus and doing the college 
like the U.S. college circuit. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, like, like it, it, it takes a lot of dedication and, and want to do that. You know, I went, what would Brendan be? He'd be younger than me. So anyway, coming up on his 50, coming up on 50, probably, you know, late forties kind of thing, whatever. And, uh, yeah, that, that, like, like it's, I remember doing that in my twenties kind of thing. I can't fathom that now, you, you know, but right. good on you. If you love it and you, you know, that's, you know, you get it, jazzed you know, up people, about that. Right. People often ask me like, you know, how do you make it or how do you make it in the music business? And I just say to them like, eventually your competition and people, first of all, a lot of people don't even like the word competition. Everything's competition. I don't know. It is. So yeah. eventually the competition will just quit. They'll get married. They'll decide I can't do the balance of being a parent and being a musician. They'll decide that they don't really love this as much as they thought they did 10 years ago. And so bit by bit, people fall off. And then if you just stick to your guns and you stick to your vision and you keep pursuing that which you believe in, eventually an opportunity will present. So I'm not saying that you're going to be able to seize on that opportunity because that's a whole separate thing. But yeah. the opportunities do present themselves. And if you're truly talented enough, I, I still believe that it, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Do you think there'll be a time when the Amazons, Apples, and Spotify's of the world will compensate artists in a more, I don't know, equitable fashion? Or is, or is that sort of a lost I don't cost? think so. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, uh, Kareem, because the it's a it's a still a capitalist system, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, when I say that, I don't say that as a pejorative at all. I'm all for free mm-hmm. enterprise and competition. But you know, the rules of the game are, and the rules of the game have always been like make as much as you can off the artist, make as much as you can off the off the creator. I mean, you know, if you look at the at the at the beginnings of the recording industry, or you know, like bands have signed bad deals, or Tom Petty's story, or like you know, mm-hmm. the squabblings in between the in between the members of the band or whatever. Like there's that element that's always been in the music industry and always will be in the music industry. Like, I don't know the details of, but I think that like when Napster happened, didn't the dude who started Napster, like sort of had an opportunity to make a, a deal with the major heads of all of those record companies. And they, they could have, you know, maintained some smaller level of profit than that they previously had, but, still would have had a big share of it and they refused to. I, I don't know the details of it. I read it in a book somewhere. Yeah, they were they 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 they, they figured it, they could just shut it down again. It's not adapting to a new model, right? Right. So I'm on the question of, of on this on this topic, I'm starting a new label. Like here's my thing. I, this is where I gotta have to be careful with my rant here. Um <laughs> I, I have a real problem with the term indie music, right? Uh, it, it really irks me. Uh, because when, when you think of like the origin of the term indie music, indie music was supposed to be like uh, in opposition to a major label, right? Agreed? So like yeah. a major label like is like a company. There's like boards, directors, shareholders, and they all want to make sure that they're going to get a return on their end. So they all have a say in how the product is going to be created. And then the artist is like, you know, distraught because their vision is irreconcilable with that those who are funding the vision. And thus they say, I can't do this. I'm going to be indie, right? Like, but like there was, there were independent labels. There was like the chess records. And then like Andy Kim is a great example of, a, of an independent artist. Like he, he, I believe he funded that entire 
venture, his first one on his own. Like, but now we have these sort of terms like I'm an indie label, but like really you, the government of Canada is, is really driving the content, the image, the sound, what your lead single is going to be, what your lyrical content is going to be. All of that is being taken out of the hands of the artist and put into the hands of the committee that is responsible for giving the grant or giving the basically the check that's going to fund that. Right. Mm. Which again, I don't have any problem. I'm all for the state supporting arts, but when those labels that are the recipients of those checks are, are now calling themselves India, I go, how independent are you really? If you think about it, you're, you're, you're still part of that kind of system that is not really, allowing the artist to truly set the terms of what they want to do to express themselves. So I'm starting my own record label, which is called Galliard Records. And it's going to be a completely uh, funded by me, no funding of any kind from any other shareholders or government agents or corporate otherwise. And it's a completely cassette based record label. So what huh. you get, is okay. you get a cassette recording. Yeah. Old school cassettes. And a digital download, all going to be streamed from my website, michaelbaguski.com. Not going to be on Bandcamp, not going to be on Spotify. Nobody's going to have their hand in my pocket. The whole thing is out of my basement. There you go. So that to me is indie, right? Because I'm literally determining every aspect of production, content. You know, I don't want to have anybody in my, in my head. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hey, white, now, white cassette. Because it's cheap, that's why. <laughs> because like, I if I press like a thousand vinyl, or sorry, a hundred vinyl, that cost me like two. Like my improv seat album, the Blues for the Penitent, right? I did a hundred copies, and I think I paid around twenty two hundred dollars for those. Like, I'm never going to get those that back, right? Like, that, that's just ridiculous. Now, the thing about cassettes is um, they're physical, they're very cheap. Uh, the kids love them. I don't know if you noticed, like everybody's like now getting into cassettes, like Walkmans are like now like popular with these kids. And I think the reason for it is that the generation after me, the really young kids, they have just had this compressed MP3 garbage filling their heads through phones since they were born. Right now, the, the audio quality of an MP3 is, is atrocious compared to, uh, a cassette that's been done on a proper uh, mixed down deck. Uh, I could play you some cassettes that were done on my machine that sound infinitely better than an MP3. And I just think that the, the aspect of holding it in their hands and listening to it and that it's not coming to them through a screen or through a phone is very alluring to that generation. Not it's, to us. We grew up yeah. with like, Oh, what do you mean? Cassettes? These suck. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because I I pulled out my old duel from back in the eighties, nineties, and uh, took it into Bay Blue Radio. The guy's like, "Wow, that's that's old." I'm like, "Yeah," and he's like, "That's in good condition." Thanks. So I get it fixed up, bring it home, I hook it up to the system at the house, and I sat both of my sons down, my stepson and my son, and I threw on uh, Level Forty Two, a Physical Presence live, the double live album, and they right were just on. like. They were like, they, they'd never experienced, to your point, as millennials, they had never experienced listening to music like that before. Oh, yeah. No, they love it. The kids love the cassettes. If you go to Sonic Boom, there's like every couple of months, the cassette section is growing a bit. And I'm not saying that like, you know, 
this is the future. I'm just saying that, you know, people want something physical, right? I have to sell them something at the merch booth. So what are my options? A CD? But these kids don't even know what a CD is. Yeah. I, I remember <laughs> once talking to a fan and she was young and, and she didn't know what a CD was. So then that leaves vinyl or it leaves a cassette. Well, the vinyl is beautiful. Everybody loves a vinyl, but like who can afford to press that? It's very expensive. If you're now it's different. Like I said, if you're on a, a label, whether it's major or India or whatever, like if somebody's funding your, your enterprise, then, then you don't have to worry about these things. But like, I am like hundred percent entrepreneurial here. Like I'm, I, everything is, is through me. I've got one employee, my, uh, my girlfriend, who's amazing. She's watching my kids right now, so I can do this. <laughs> She's the one who makes the, the spicy salsa. Yeah. I gotta try this when, when's the so, first album coming out on the new, on the new label? Well, I, it's funny because here's the problem. COVID has resulted in a lot of divorces, right? Mm. It's terrible. So the, my first release is going to be um, a sex tape. It's going to be called Couples Therapy. So it'll be like a, a, an instrumental erotic album to bring couples back together. Uh, you know, it's all about good vibes and lovemaking because it's like, you know, we can't let COVID break people up. You know, we need people to get together and get on down and do their thing. So, yeah, it's going to be called Couples Therapy. It's going to be instrumental erotic music for, for people who might be experiencing marital difficulties in, this, in these times of, you know, tribulation that we're all going through. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be like Jean-Michel Jarre meets uh, Marvin Gaye, but without really. A lot of drama I was going to ask. I was, yeah. You know, uh, Colin Cripps might might do some like uh, tasteful wah wah, like nothing. <laughs> you know, like not, it's not going to be porno, but it'll be it'll be erotic. You know, tastefully erotic. <laughs> you'll get your you'll hook up your drum machine for that album i'm sure absolutely a lot of drum machine and just just feeling good i don't know have you ever listened to have you ever listened to the, his album jean-michel jars the first one uh oxygen oh yeah i used to have that yeah, yeah it's yeah. so beautiful right and it's just like damn this that's my uh that's baby making music for me. wait hold on hold on i've got to ask you this might seem awkward so i remember that vinyl yeah. What was the what was the music in the in that album? What was it like? What was it? It was like, like it was amb I wouldn't call it amb it was sort of like ambient electronic. I mean, he called it music concrete. Like what he would do would be like he'd record like birds and sounds of nature, but then he he was an early pioneer of synthesizers. So this came up in like 77. I've got it in my room, but it, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of synthesizers. It's all synthesizers and early sequencers and drum machines. Sort of like tree craft work even. Almost, almost like an old field kind of. As you as you're describing that, uh, and Marvin Gaye, and you're making a sex tape, all of a sudden it flashed to my head. Oh yeah, I remember that album, Oxygen. Then I remember that was my parents' album they used to listen yeah. to. That's true. Your parents' generation, yeah, they would have loved that. Hey Kareem, I gotta ask you, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Because you know, music might have something to do with it. <laughs> There's only three of us. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. And, you know, that's, your parents certainly cared for each other quite a bit. So <laughs> that, but that, so that I, I'm, not, I'm pro family, pro stay together. I don't. I you know. I, I I think people gotta just forget about COVID. This is gonna end. We're gonna get back to being outside. 
There's going to be some music like Blue Rodeo. I think we're doing, because I know that Jason Kenny went full libertarian. So now we're going to do the Calgary Stampede on July 18th, which is fantastic. I'm getting my second shot tomorrow. Oh, that's good. I think, I think the Toronto show is happening. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there is light on the horizon. Nice, nice. If we can all just not watch the, the screens, because it's just a litany of misinformation and anger and people fighting and... How do you feel oh, about screens? Play. How do you feel about screens at the show? Like, I, I guess if if I don't like, I'll be honest. But yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. like saying like you know, how do you feel about you know? It's just like it's just here, you know. It's like cars cause carbon emissions to hurt the earth, right? But we're we're not going to get rid of our cars. We're just it's just too convenient, right? I would rather there be no screens, but I wouldn't go to the limit. Like I saw Dave Chappelle, and he made everybody put their their phones in some secure thing and i thought like okay that's cool man i dig it but like i wouldn't have my phone on anyway because i like to be present at shows yeah Mm -hmm. i hear you i hear listen i'll I'll, i got one more parent story and then i'll put that to bed no man go with it pardon the pun but i remember them going to niagara falls (laughs) for for a long weekend and they asked me what do you want and at the time uh my favorite uh, song was by the Jay Giles band and more than happy to get me a copy of centerfold. So <laughs> again, um, that that's, that's the end of, 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 of that story, but it, this is sort of bringing up a lot of, it's answering a lot of questions I've had subconsciously. Sure, there you go. You know, like nobody, like people need to use music to make love. People need to use music to make food. People need to use music to just, even if you, you can't stand your, your wife or your partner or your husband <laughs> or, or whatever, and you want to kill them, maybe just put on some music and look at them and, and look at how beautiful they are and remember that like you marry them for a reason before you start yeah. calling up the lawyer and doing some crazy <laughs> stuff. Well, like, there's, a reason, there's a reason that Air Supply is still, <laughs> is, is still out there, right? <laughs> Air Supply, all those 80s <laughs> groups, they're all feel good. There's just good vibes. Yeah. 60s were good vibes, the 70s were good vibes, 80s were good vibes, 90s were good vibes, and then something happened. Then the vibes start. I just, I can't feel the vibes anymore. <laughs> I don't know, man. Kareem, can you feel the vibes of the modern music today? I don't know. Where's the I, love? I don't know. No, I don't think Kevin so. Kevin Drew. Kevin Drew, I feel the love. My, you said Brendan Canning, right? I love Broken yeah. Social. Yeah. I love Kevin. Yeah. Kevin's like a guy who makes me feel good, and yeah. I think he's trying to do a similar thing about bringing people together. You know, harmony. So the Canadian, that. the Canadian music scene is going to be producing a lot of sex tapes, is what you're saying on the show. I don't know the Canadian music scene. And Michael Bogusky is that's for sure. You know, <laughs> the, we'll see about the others. And now it doesn't just have to. It's going to be called couples therapy, but I mean, it's just going to be good instrumental music, right? Like I, I just, uh, yeah. you know, I like, I like my keyboards and I like making my weird sounds and making people feel good, you know. The official like sound signature of your of your live stream there what i just played there so just you know <laughs> what's the show called welcome to the music what listen to this welcome to the music it's your host kareem and greg whose surnames i don't know but Anyway, you, you see what I'm saying? There's a reason yeah. for me. music can just fit in anywhere in your life. Anywhere in your life, there should be music. Mm-hmm.
Mike, <clears throat> we have a segment on the show yep. called Lost Venues. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's about uh, places you've played before. Mm-hmm. You've got amazing memories. Maybe there was some lovemaking going on there. I don't know. I don't want to judge. Um, but they don't exist anymore. I know, man. It's heartbreaker, isn't it? Yeah. It's just heartbreaking. Uh, there were so many great venues. So the first venue I ever played, if you're going to, you're gonna, like, okay, so if I said the Spectrum, would you remember that club? About in the East End? Uh-huh. Yeah, the there I saw, I saw the Spectrum, and I only realized this because I always had it in my head, this show was at the Danforth, but in reality, being a Whitby kid, it was way further east. I saw, like, the Canadian early version of, like, Lollapalooza, and it was... Boot Sauce, Sons of Freedom, and somebody else. And it was at the Spectrum. Right on. Anyway, sorry, I just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I did an early gig at the Spectrum. I did a gig at the Gasworks. That's how old I am, right before they closed. Um, yep. those, those two venues, you know, the old, do you remember the marquee at Coxwell and uh, Whale Gerard. Knees there? Gerard, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played a, I played a formative gig there. Uh, these are all gone, right? Um, I was a big devotee of the original Almo, the upstairs. The uh, I, I would be there every every Saturday. They had the uh, the original blow up. Remember the Britpop night? I was there in my twenties. I remember seeing the Sadies there one night, going, "Wow, those guys are good." The Doughboys, I saw them there. Wow. So I know the Almo is oh. still there, and they've redone it. But it, I, I I just it closed down, and then. I haven't seen the new Elmo yet, but I heard it's amazing. So that's yeah. a good, almost a good story because it's like it came back, right? Yeah. And then, of course, the Dakota Tavern was like, I, I, they're not closed. Or have they closed? I don't know. Did they? I hope not, but I don't think so. I don't know. That's where I really got my teeth, cut my teeth, and I met Greg and, all, and a lot of people that helped me get into Blue Rodeo there. But venues that closed, yeah, those, those are some that are, oh, the Silver Dollar. I think a lot of games at the Silver Dollar. That was a yeah. great club. Uh, oh, what's another one that I used to play? RPM, the Big Bob. Remember? Yeah. What is it? Furniture store or something? I so I, what condos, was it? So yeah, the big, there's the Big yeah. Bob, and then upstairs was what was upstairs? It was like a different club. Oh, I'm having a mind blank right now. I can't. I thought remember. it was multiple floors. The Big Bob was there. Two different places in there. So Big Bob was the big one downstairs. Then upstairs yeah. was. It's escaping me now, but I just remember I had five flights of stairs, and when you have two keyboards and you got to go up those stairs, you really test your commitment to your craft. Great, that was Big Bob. That's Bathurst and where? Bathurst and uh, King. No, no, Queen. Bathurst and Queen. East corner. East corner. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to think if whether no, I'm thinking of Spadina and uh, and Queen of a different location. That was the Cabana Room up top there. Yeah, cabana room, but that's not that's a different location. Um, we don't have too much time left with you, Mike, and uh, I just want to let you know that we've had so far a lot of fun. Good uh, chat chatting with you. Um, I hope I haven't said anything questionable. I don't know. No, you haven't, that. which 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 has upset Good. me a bit. I, I oh, wish you were disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You got to get an old reel-to-reel tape machine to go beside the record player. It's going to look amazing. If I find one, I'll, I'll, I swear I'll send it to you. If Let I me find know, one. yeah. Yeah, Should just be. even for aesthetics, even if you don't use it. It'll look so cool next to a guitar. No problem, it man. It would. Yeah, I'll, I'll replace those uh, 
those CDs up here. What are those? I don't even know what those are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, I have so many questions I have here, but let me ask you this. Are you, are you watching the Euro Cup? Yes, you, big time. I'm also watching I'm a huge soccer fan. My my dad played for UFT. I played soccer my whole life. I, I in fact this was the first I had a discussion with my girlfriend a couple of days ago and I said, I don't think I can play seniors league anymore. Like I I'm just too old now. So this is the first year I'm not playing soccer is this year. Just mm-hmm. I, I just not in shape enough. But anyway, yes, I am watching the Euros. But before about the Euros, yay Canada's men who beat Haiti to make it to the final round of qualification for the first time in 24 years. So this is our like big chance to finally make the World Cup. So that, that was amazing. That happened right. last last week. Nice. We won the Gold Cup in 2000. Like People don't realize like how big that is. Like, yeah. like, like, so in between the World Cup, you have the Euros, which represents UEFA. Then you have Copa America, which is going on right now with, you know, the Southern American countries. And then CONCACAF, our tournament is the gold cup which is starting in i think a few weeks or no is it in sometime at the end of the summer i think but we're you know we won that like we made the confederation cup so yeah euros is great but i'm really pulling for canadian men and canadian premier league second year in in its inception so go watch a local canada premier league match support your local team there's my soccer rant there you go but of nice. course, being Polish, I, I'm supporting Poland because oh, my mom's Ukrainian, my dad's Polish. Ukraine lost to Austria; they're out. I think Lewandowski might be able to get one one more for us, and maybe Poland will make the last sixteen. We'll have to see. Polska. Nice. There we go. Yeah. Go go Polska. Um, Greg, do you have any more questions before we we wrap things up? I just, I guess, one of the questions that I'd like to ask people before we do finish is, um, what's in your earbuds list lately? What are you listening to that people should be checking out? Oh my goodness! What have I listened to lately that I really love? Uh, the Deep Dark Woods just put out a new album a month ago, or was it three or four weeks ago? That's fantastic. Um, their keyboard player is a, is a friend of mine, and uh, they opened up for us at the Amphitheater a few years ago, and Chris Mason. And Lucas Getz, who are on Cold Mantova Project, they're in that band. So, yeah, I would check that out. Uh, what else have I, have I heard that's really turned my head? Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Well, I, 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 somebody just bought me a copy of uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, which I've never listened to. Oh, wow. Last week, which is a great album. Wow. They're really great. So, I know. It's kind of crazy, right? Because they're so popular. But like, I never actually listened to it beginning to end. So, are they are they a startup? Are they are they new, Mike? Do they, I, they're, they're a bunch of young kids from uh, somewhere in England. There, I think they got a good shot of uh, making it. If they uh, might make it someday. They might make it someday. If, if that bass player wanted to keep his mouth shut about politics, I think they got a shot. <laughs> you know. But um, oh well, of course I got to give a plug out to to Greg Keeler's new album, which is really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, that's something I just listened to. He's got a new solo album, which I highly highly recommend you check out. It's got some fantastic uh, tunes. It's funny you say that. You know, you work with somebody, but like, man, Jim and Greg—they really can sing and write tunes. They're, oh, yeah. Jim Cuddy has a new solo album coming out, which is uh, like they just don't stop. I don't know where they find the time to just continually write and record but uh yeah i don't know when jim's and then of course blue rodeo we've got a new record coming out 
I, I we finished it. It's just got to get released. So that'll be coming out to nice. a store in very soon. Yeah, and it's really great. Like, it's my favorite one of all the ones I've been on. Because I'm sort of like at this stage of Blue Rodeo, like, I don't know. Like, how long are we going to keep doing this? Like, you can't take anything <laughs> more, you know? Yeah. Like, are, you, are, are you complaining older. or? No, I love it. Like, I, I, like every second I try, I'm more appreciative of, of being in Blue Rodeo now than I ever was. Right. Yeah. And, and I think everybody in the band sort of feels that way too. Like, it's a real special mm-hmm. thing we have, you know? And mm-hmm. you can't assume that it's going to go on. Like, I don't want to end on a sour note, but like, my heart broke when, when Gord passed. Like, it really. Sure. That's brutal, you know. My dad died; he was sixty-three. Like those guys in Blue Rodeo are older than that, right? So, come out and see us, <laughs> please. Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, any any love making music on the new album by Blue Rodeo? Um, is there some sexy tunes? Yeah, there's. Well, Jim Cuddy always has a a sultry. You know, he's got the R&B thing down, right? Like, have you ever have you ever heard um, uh, the version of Try by, uh, oh, who is it? We did it. We, we did a retrospective of Five Days in July, but 12 years ago in Ottawa. Oh, Julie Black. She Ooh. does this amazing R&B version of, of Try. And she, she's so great, you know? Like, she's just such a great singer. And, uh, yeah. What did she say? She said, when I heard this on the radio the first time, I thought Jim was black. That's what she said. So, <laughs> so you know, yeah, I, I would say Cuddy's got the got the romance down. But then then Greg's got some he's more on the on the heartbroken side of the romance coin. Together they work, you know what I mean? They keep yeah. each other in, in balance. So. They sure do. Nice. That is awesome. Good album. Check it out. Yeah. We definitely we definitely will looking forward to uh to getting a cassette. Yes, uh, from uh, your project. Yeah, mine. Couples therapy. It'll be out hopefully by uh, November uh, of uh, this year. My time for too Christmas. late. We need it soon. We need it soon. <laughs> it's Cream needs it soon. Cream needs it soon. <laughs> yeah. Nas, they need it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah don't worry. Just <laughs> hey, just wait a second. You have one it. child. You have one child, so maybe you do really need this. Yeah, I do. Yeah. For the second set. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Sexy time. Sexy, Sexy time. <laughs> Mike, la- la- last, last thing for you. Um, we, we asked uh, Jason um, whether you'd be uh, open to, to playing a song uh, yeah. at, at the end of this. And so I wanted to ask you this, actually, Mike. Uh, yep. How would how just because of the the volume? Sometimes if it gets a little bit too loud, it mm-hmm. cuts the sound down, so we can't hear anything. Um, but I wanted to ask, how would you feel about after we hang up, you recording something and then sending the file our way? Is that too much? One hundred percent. I will do oh. that. I'm going to do an improv. I'll, I'll rec- what do you want? An improv, or do you want a song, or what do you tell me? Do you it's want a cover? You. Do you want a blue rose? It's up you know to what? you. It's up. Okay. I'm going to send you a nice version of uh, Glenn Campbell's uh, Wichita Lineman. Nice. How's that sound? So, so tell me why, why that song. Because I started this instrumental uh, organ trio with Cleve Anderson from Blue Rodeo and Nickel Robertson, who's a great local Toronto guitar player. And I play uh, a Gibson G101, which is Raymond Zarek's organ and a piano bass. And this particular organ belonged to the late James Gray. So there's the gear stuff. It is a 60s instrumental group. Like we do, we do like uh, Lawrence Welk, Glenn Campbell, The Doors, The Beatles, 60s and 70s, feel good. 
taking you back to that time when, uh, you know, it was all about peace and love, even though it wasn't because there was a raging war and everybody was, you know, high and crazy. But, you know, the, 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 the marketable peace and love aspects of the 60s is like we, we want people to remember that, you know, we're all brothers and sisters and we all love each other and we all got to do the right thing. 